Friends, welcome to Sci-Fi Science Comedy Debate. That is the correct response. It is so good to have you at our very first Sci-Fi for 2022. What a year it's been. Have you been to Sci-Fi before? Make some noise. Lovely. Who, who's never been to a Sci-Fi before? Ah, four people raising their hands. It's so... So polite. There's something about coming to Sci-Fi that makes you less polite as an individual. Welcome. We are so excited to have you all here. Uh, Rowan, are you in the in the audience somewhere? Somewhere. Are you Rowan's parents? Yeah. Good. All right. We have we have six debaters. That's the standard number. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who've not been to Sci-Fi before, uh, it is a place where we bring together the sharpest minds from science and comedy and make them debate in critical uh, debate critical issues in a silly way mainly by attacking each other uh, it's kind of like an election debate uh, <laughs> but with less incoherent yelling and we're generally better dressed so <laughs> you're in for a treat my name is Alanta I am your host and the adjudicator this evening uh, it is my job to make sure that uh, we have a good clean fight tonight now Tonight, we ask, is pleasure a false god? Uh, it's part of our biological makeup, evolution's way of prodding us to consume calories, procreate and not freeze to death. So surely pleasure is just natural? Or is it compensation for all the suffering we endure simply by being prisoners in these ridiculous meat vehicles with all their tooth decay, period pain and hemorrhoids? <laughs> Can we has a little dopamine as a treat? Or is pleasure a false god, simply a smokescreen for hiding more pain? Was it pleasure that led to tooth decay in the first place? Whatever happened to those kids in the marshmallow test? Are some of them still waiting? Here to answer none of these questions and more, please welcome the affirmative. It's the pragmatic Kate Huckstep, Ryan Coffey, and Ron Long. And on the negative, it is the pleasurable Dr. Sam Mills. <laughs> Claire Sullivan. And Jess Moyer. Six debaters. It's the right amount. Good. All right. Uh, Kate, welcome. Welcome to SciFight. There's a, there's a microphone there if you want to grab it. Good. Drinks. <laughs> Brilliant. That's a good start. Start with chaos and yeah, in order. Why not? End works. with chaos. <laughs> um, now, Kate, you're you're in the middle of a PhD, um, which you know, yep. sh shows you're clearly not into uh, pleasure. <laughs> yep. What's keeping your studies steady at the moment? <laughs> All of my friends in the audience are just like, <laughs> my studies steady never. Uh, uh -huh. That's that's my answer. I they're not. Not. <laughs> Don't know what else to tell you. Sorry. Has anyone ever enjoyed a PhD? I, apparently, I've heard of these mythical creatures, but like, I don't know. I haven't met one. Yeah, I'm not convinced. All right. No. Well, welcome. Tonight can be a, a bit of a break from your PhD. Thank pains. you. Uh, Ryan, we'll move to you. Yes. Hello. Hi. How what? are you, everyone? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> one at a time. No, okay. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> That's going to take some time. <laughs> I only Let's got the just room. get on with it. I only got the room till midnight. Um, Ryan, it's so good to have you. I've never had you at Sci-Fight before. So good to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, what did you do to prepare for tonight? 
Oh, well, I delved deep into myself, reached uh-huh. down and got something real sticky and I brought it out and I'm going to show it to you all. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Okay. I feel like looking around, you know how, um, you know, they say if someone brings like a, a knife to a gunfight, uh, I certainly feel like I'm sitting at a gunfight right now and in my pocket is a jellyfish, but we're going to be okay. Trust me, we're going to get there. If I you know how nice. to operate that jellyfish, you might come out on top. Yeah. Great. Welcome, Ryan. So great to have you. Rowan. Hi, Atlanta. How's it going? Good. Good to have you back at Sci-Fight. It's wonderful to leave the house. It really is. <laughs> uh, what made you agree to, to come back to this Sci-Fight? I guess it was, again, leaving the house. It's been okay. a while. Uh, you might sense a little degree of uh, social weirdness. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I've, it's been a rough time. So uh, any chance that I can get to come out and, and mix with society, you know, speak into a microphone. Do you guys have any idea how good this is? This is wonderful. <laughs> uh, it's great. And I just appreciate the opportunity to do that. Oh, we're so happy to have you out of the house and Thank we'll be you. sure to let you know if anything gets too weird tonight. All right. See you on the team. Sam, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I found Sam in the car park. 15 minutes ago, looking lost. Uh, but we've got him inside now, so the debate's heading in the right direction. Um, Sam, you work in visual neuroscience? Yeah. Yeah, yeah good. Mm-hmm. Check. Got the right one. Excellent. I did. I did. When I wrote that, uh-huh. I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened to you, Sam? <laughs> um, I, got a, I got a different job. Uh-huh. Do you want to talk uh, about the... Back up the optic nerve, now I'm in the brain. Okay. So you're not, like, collecting trolleys or... No. That no. is honourable work. Someone has to do it. Yeah. Claire, how are you going? Hi. I'm very good, thank you very much for asking. <laughs> that was the most, uh, like, aggressive thanks for asking I've ever seen it so far. <laughs> it's all in my plan. <laughs> Uh, what did you do to prepare for tonight? Um, I, I ate some chips uh-huh. from here. They were very delicious. Um, I also struggled to print out my script. Uh-huh. Have you ever tried to use a printer in your life? Oh, my God. Is this because you were born in the 90s? Is this what I was we're... born in 1992. Okay. okay. Printers have not changed in the last 50 years. No, I do get I want it. someone to fix that, not me. <laughs> it does feel rude to ever need a printer. I completely concur with you there. Done yeah. with printers. Absolutely no one on board with that. Okay. This is a pro-printer proud. Get oh, out! In get Brunswick, out. no less. But you're all fans of the printing press too, huh? Huh? <laughs> it is more traditional at Sci-Fi to attack the other team rather than the audience, but, you know. <laughs> no, I love you. I love you a lot. Thank you for coming. You gotta kiss, make kiss. <laughs> you should make beeping noises if you back up that quickly. <laughs> Alrighty, Jess. Hello. 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 <laughs> Jess is a lawyer. Well done. You good? Good for that. Don't clap. <laughs> uh, Jess, don't, don't pretend. <laughs> uh, what do what do lawyers do for pleasure? Fuck people up in comedy debates. <laughs> 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 All 
further questions. <laughs> okay, on to the rules for tonight's debate before it gets too aggressive. Okay, the purpose of tonight's debate is more about causing pleasure for the audience than pain for the opposition. This is a reminder to both teams to not defame the opposition. You don't say it one debate and then all manner of heck breaks loose. Uh, each debater has eight minutes to argue their case. If people go for longer than eight minutes, I will start reciting facts about fecal matter uh, and <laughs> the pro-poo Brunswick crowd is in. Good to know. But uh, it, it'll, get, it'll get ugly, I'll tell you that much. Um, at the end of the debate, the audience, that's you, will be called on to make some noise about who you think tonight's winning team was. The uh, instrument to measure this will, is my ears. Uh, no, it is not a scientific process. And no, I'm not going to change it. <laughs> so uh, we're on to our first speaker for tonight. Uh, for the affirmative, Kate Huckstep is a queer Melbourne-based masochist currently trying out the tactic... <laughs> of doing a PhD in neuroscience to fulfil their need to suffer. It is currently working. <laughs> Kate is fascinated by what the heck is going on in the brain during addiction, and they're hoping that the PhD will help some of that out. And avid, as an avid science communicator, they host both a regular science comedy podcast, Curiosity Kills the Rat, and science radio show Radio Sci Lens. Please... Welcome to the podium, Kate Huffstep. Friends, enemies, <laughs> distinguished guests, pleasure is a false god. Pleasure is undoubtedly, absolutely a false god. But okay, first off, like, what is a god? Like, what do we even mean when we're arguing that pleasure is a false god? And as a team, we're going to come at this from a couple of different angles, but I'll start us off, right? When people talk about a god, they talk about everlasting peace, right? Contentment, the path to salvation from suffering. The fundamental question tonight, as I understand it, is will following the path of pleasure, seeking pleasure in life, will this lead to the relief from suffering? to eternal peace, and eternal peace that isn't just, like, death, that is. Well, I'm here as an addiction neuroscientist to tell you that it absolutely will not. Now, like, I want to be clear, I'm not pretending to be a godly person here. I do enjoy a little bit of pleasure as a treat. Like, I am here to admit that, but I am also here to unequivocally tell you that it is a false god, and you can trust me because I am a scientist. So... <laughs> So, okay, let's do that. Let's, let's talk about the brain, the science. That's, that's what I'm here to talk about, right? So I want to tell you, I'm particularly qualified, actually, to talk about the reward system, given the number of hours that I have spent in a dark room alone with a microscope taking pictures of it. So what actually happens in there, right? Like, when we experience pleasure, when we seek reward. Now, I know we've all heard of the dopamine release thing, right? Yeah, like dopamine pleasure. You know, I'm, I'm here to actually tell you the twisted truth about what happens when dopamine gets released in the brain in response to pleasurable activities like, you know, drugs, sex, rock and roll. <laughs> so the story generally goes, right, that we do something pleasurable and it feels good because of this dopamine release, right? 
Well, it turns out that this is actually a little bit of an inaccuracy because, you see, in 2003, some very clever people did a really cool experiment that involved giving cocaine to a rat. Yeah, fun, fun stuff. Um, And measuring the dopamine release in the brain, which is, you know, that's pretty standard stuff in my lab. Um, (laughs) But these scientists, they had a new technology, and they were able to tell incredibly precisely the point in time that the dopamine release was actually happening. And they found that this dopamine release was actually happening just before the hit of cocaine. That's right. The dopamine wasn't actually causing the pleasure. It was actually causing anticipation. Patient, thank you. (laughs) Dopamine. Dopamine's the thing that makes you, it makes you want the thing more than it makes you like it. We actually think that the liking is more likely to be because of endogenous opioids, because that's right, our brains are so metal that they produce their own opioids to give us pleasure. Whack. But then this is where it gets interesting, right? This is where pleasure is a bit of a dickhead, not a god. Um, Because pleasure has the outright audacity to do two different things to your brain. First, you desensitize how much pleasure you feel. The more that you you do something pleasurable, the less opioids get released each time. And it it just doesn't feel as good. And we've all experienced this, right? Like, you know, you build tolerance, not just to the intoxicating effects of a substance, but to how much joy it can bring you. So that's the first thing. Not great. But then, simultaneously, changes happen which actually sensitize, so the opposite, the dopamine wanting system. So you want the thing more, even though it will bring you less pleasure when you get it. And sometimes, like with addictive substances, for example, this cycle spirals so far out of control that you end up with these uncontrollable cravings for something that brings you absolutely no pleasure and actively causes you harm. And, like, I hear some of you being like, Kate, that's just drugs. Drugs aren't the only way to feel pleasure. And to that I say, "Mm, you haven't tried the good drugs. (laughs) But no, no, okay, okay, you're correct. You're correct, right? What else do we get pleasure from? Food? Sugar? Yeah, you can definitely get addicted to those. Sex? Sex addiction is real. Our brain is not designed to appreciate pleasure, and following pleasure will lead to the absolute opposite of eternal peace. It will lead to eternal suffering. No so-called loving deity would do this to a brain. Pleasure is a false god. But not everyone gets addicted to stuff. I hear you say, yeah, like, I'm first affirmative. I'm just making up things to rebut now. But um, (laughs) it isn't pleasure's fault. It's the person's fault. And to that, well, like, first I scowl. Like, do better. It's 2022, guys. Um, (laughs) But also, also, if it's a problem with the person and not the substance, then why are these scientific experiments able to be done in animals? Why can I get a regular mouse to binge drink alcohol voluntarily after just repeatedly exposing it to the substance? We are able to model these very real human experiences in animals because they are based on real biological changes in the brain brought on by pleasure. I can get a rat to compulsively press a lever over and over again, desperately hoping for an alcohol reward that's never going to come. And I can get them to do that just by changing the sights and the smells that I expose them to. Because that's right, not only does the brain remember, oh, hey, I did this thing, it felt good, it goes, let's remember absolutely every detail about this situation, where I am, who I'm with, what I'm wearing. We take in all of these contextual details and we remember them so that we can maximize our chances of successfully experiencing this thing again. 
This contextual memory is so powerful that it is actually a major cause of relapse in people recovering from addictions. So you could, like, just for example, be someone who doesn't drink anymore, right? You haven't drunk in a couple of weeks now, you're feeling pretty good about it, but you haven't been back to this one particular friend's place yet. And, like, the only thing you ever did at this friend's place was drink, you know? Smashing some vodka OJs with the boys, playing Dragon Ball Xenoverse on the Xbox, you know, that (laughs) very relatable max pleasure situation. Uh... (laughs) Anyway, let's say you go to this friend in your sobriety and you're sitting there playing Xenoverse, drinking your virgin OJ, and all of a sudden your mate has left the room and you can see the bottle of vodka there on his shelf and it's about three quarters full and it is just staring at you. And then before you even really know what you're doing, you've poured a couple of standard drinks into your OJ and then you realise that the bottle of vodka is empty so you're like, oh my gosh, I need to fill it up with water so my friend doesn't notice. But you're actually in a room where there are no taps so you just get your water bottle out and you're like filling this thing up and it's, you know, but then you just drunkenly confess all of your sins immediately anyway. So not only have you made a total fool out of yourself, you've ruined a perfectly good bottle of vodka for absolutely nothing. Uh, Sorry, did I get a little too specific there? Because like... (laughs) Yes, I absolutely am uh, speaking from experience here, but I, I, I don't tell you this to make you uncomfortable. I tell you this to make the negative team uncomfortable. <laughs> it is 2022, folks. I believe that my lived experience makes me extra qualified to speak on this topic. Which, uh, on top of my two neuroscience degrees and my research specifically in this field, well, this makes me quite the credible source for this debate. And I actually, uh, I feel sorry for the negative team, quite frankly, because um, now any attempt to slander me or any addict is going to look quite poor taste. And um, any attempt to disagree with the science is just going to look, like, wrong. So I understand if you guys just want to call it quits now and give us the win. Yeah, sweet. Cool, cool, cool. Anyway, to conclude, pleasure causes real, tangible measurable biological changes to the brain. Changes that will make you keep seeking it out, even though once, like, the reward you once felt is long gone. If what pleasure does to the brain is an act of a god, it is certainly not a god worth following. It is not one that will bring peace or salvation. Seeking pleasure is not the path of satisfaction. Trust me, I'm a scientist. Thank you. The greatest offense is a good confession? I don't know. I'm so confused. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Before we move on to our next uh, debater, I'll just share some of the science news of the week with you. Uh, This particular study had a bit of a sexy twist. Um, Yeah, get excited. It's all about the anticipation. Um, A new study has found a mind-altering parasite may make infected people more attractive. (laughs) Tell me more, I hear you say. Uh, The brain-hijacking parasite, Toxoplasma gondii, you've probably heard of it, it's the the cat and 50% of us have it, so, you know, all of you, potentially, Uh, is, it's everywhere. Uh, researchers have discovered that men and women infected by the parasite end up being rated as more attractive and healthier looking than non-infected individuals. Sure, it's, uh, it's been linked with schizophrenia and psychotic episodes. 
But researchers hypothesize that the parasite might be capable of subtly altering its host's phenotype, manipulating chemicals in the animal's body, such as neurotransmitters and hormones, for its own ends. Because, essentially, if the host gets lucky, so does the parasite. Like, that is teamwork. Honestly, I hope all of the community of diseases like learn from this example that, you know, humans more than happy to host if we get something out of it. You know, like maybe if like syphilis straightened your teeth or, you know, gonorrhea cancelled your hex debt, that'd be good. Or maybe like if COVID-19 gave you like powers of time travel, you could go back to the wet market in Wuhan and put a little mask on that bat. Then you might get stuck in 2019 and, yeah, look, we'll, we'll sort out the details later. Uh, look, in the meantime, we'll hear from our first speaker for the negative, uh, that is Dr. Sam Mills. He is a researcher in visual neuroscience who's not doing that currently. <laughs> not everyone sends you their bio on time, do they? <laughs> you will be sorry, Sam. Uh, He loves brains, especially all the different ways they can play up. Uh, He's also not convinced there's such a thing as a normal brain, and his favourite perceptions are pastel colours, mind melancholy, slap bass, and the taste of spaghetti. Please welcome Sam Mills. Thank you, Atlanta. Can you hear me? Okay. Well, that was interesting. (laughs) As a doctor of neuroscience. I can say I did enjoy my PhD. I found it very pleasurable. Because pleasure is not a false god. Pleasure is a false god. No, just listen to it. Isn't it so, like, paternalistic? Pleasure is a false god. (laughs) But, yeah, the god thing, I'll accept your uh, definition of the god. Um, You know, a false god really literally means like any god that's not the, the one from Judaism, Christianity or Islam, which I guess have all the same characters, but, you know, different spin-offs. <laughs> Theology isn't my area. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with the neuroscience side of it. Um, <clears throat> and so we'll take that to mean, you know, something not to be trusted, right? will lead you astray. It's an illusion. They're saying that pleasure is not to be trusted. Whereas, I think we will argue... (laughs) I I will, I don't think I will. (laughs) That pleasure is actually the primary source. We should trust it. It's our greatest resource. It's our reason to do anything. And it's the way we should navigate the world. It has evolved along with us as a way of guiding us to do the most important things. I bet you can guess 
what the most pleasurable activities are for human beings. Can someone shout out what number one might be? Sex. Crypto, not on the list. Although my source is from 2012, so if they updated it, it might be there. Yes, these activities that we obsess with, a reason to leave the house, the thing we hope is going to happen, it's pleasure. And when we feel it, the thing that we did to get that feeling is something that we'll try and repeat. Right? <laughs> I feel like I was given a pretty uncontroversial task of trying to tell you that pleasure's good. <laughs> so I might not have done as much research. I printed out lots of pieces of paper though. <laughs> But I will argue that pleasure is actually good and will lead us in the right direction if we pursue our pleasure. And on top of that, anyone who tells you otherwise are acting as false prophets. So, all animals feel pleasure, but it's unique to humans to feel shame about the feeling of pleasure. Okay? Yeah. Now, I'm going to say a word now, gaslighting. It gets thrown around a bit lately, so I'll give you a quick definition. To keep in the back of your mind whenever these people... These party pooper, killjoy, sourpuss, wet blankets, grinch, grouch, spoil sports, malcontents are talking and trying to tell you that pleasure is not a good thing. It's a form of manipulation that causes someone to doubt their thoughts or perceptions. Okay. So, pleasure. (laughs) We need it. Imagine a world without it. It would be terrible. Right? (laughs) You'd come out here tonight hoping to have a bad time. (laughs) Not laugh once. Not go home. Not have some sex. Not have some cake. Not do some heroin. (laughs) This person doesn't exist. So, pleasure doesn't exist on its own. Uh, it's always attached to some sensation, right? Um, it's, they call it a hedonic gloss. It exists on top of something else. When you eat sugar, uh, the sugar tastes like sugar, but the pleasure is on top of that. So the way w- people have studied this in humans... <laughs> I'm going to talk about rats in a second, so... (laughs) It's quite neat. So you can put people in an MRI machine, which will measure the activity in the different areas of their brain, and you can make them hungry before you do this, and you pop them in there, and then you give them uh, just a little little taste of chocolate or a little taste of um, tomato juice. This study was done in Denmark. I don't know if tomato juice is different there. (laughs) More desirable. Um, I guess they're just very different flavours. And so you give them a little bit of it and you see what happens in their brain and you get them to rate the pleasureness of it and then they come out of the machine, have as much of either chocolate or tomato juice as they want, they stuff themselves, they go back in, you let them taste it again and they rate how pleasurable it is and they all say, no, not pleasurable anymore. (laughs) 
So you can see the areas of the brain that just light up whenever they're eating tomato or chocolate. Um, Sam, where is this going? I don't know. <laughs> I was talking about tomato juice. I, I believe in you. Thank you. <laughs> so you can see the areas of the brain that are lighting up when it's just pleasure, to do with the pleasure itself, right? And what's interesting is the pleasure, it lights up the same. It's the same areas, whether you're having sex, eating tomato juice when you're hungry, um, whatever. It's the same pathways. It looks the same in a human and an MRI machine. So pleasure is pleasure is pleasure is pleasure is pleasure, right? Hmm. (laughs) So it can go wrong. Addiction. Pleasure may lead you down a dark alley. Say, (laughs) well, drugs. Drugs are, I guess, the purest form of pleasure because it's not attached to any sensation. Mainlining heroin is actually directly activating the circuits in your brain that get turned on when you are having that pleasurable experience. So, mainlining heroin. That's our extreme version of pleasure, right? (laughs) That should be so strong that addiction must occur. Well, let me tell you a story about... (laughs) It's called Rat Park. So this was a study done in the 70s uh, by a Canadian psychologist, Bruce... (laughs) Alexander. And his idea was that up until then, studies on addiction in rats had been done in this really specific way where the rats were put in a tiny box about half half the size of a shoebox with metal sides so they couldn't see into any other cages by themselves with a catheter attached to their jugular (laughs) in which heroin was just, just... Whenever they pushed a lever, they got a little dose. And so when the rats pushed it, they got it, they're like, oh, great. They just keep doing it. And so everyone concluded, ah, yes, these drugs of addiction are so addictive, they're irresistible. But Bruce kind of thought this was not very realistic because rats are actually very sociable animals. Uh, He described them as social industrious creatures that thrive on contact and communication with other rats. So this setup, it just wasn't very naturalistic. So Rat Park was born... (laughs) He tried to simulate a normal uh, rat environment as best he could in the laboratory. It was about 200 times the floor space of a standard lab rat cage. It was constructed to be scenic, comfortable, and friendly, meaning co-ed groups. (laughs) There were soon lots of baby rats. Everyone loved it. They had wheels to run on, little cans to hide in, uh, soft floors, and no metal walls. And there was a water fountain that distributed heroin. (laughs) So, what would the rats do? There was also a water fountain that just distributed water. (laughs) And there was much food to to eat, all this good stuff that rats like. And they wanted to know how many rats would get addicted to drugs. (sighs) Can you guess? Two. (laughs) No, 
None of them. Well, on average. <laughs> Biological variability. Some did. But... So, the results were, uh, it was, yes, to test the rat's willingness to consume the opiate solution. So the cage rats ingested much larger doses of the solution, about 19 times more than rat park rats. The rat park rats consistently resisted the morphine water, preferring plain water. Even rats in cages that were fed nothing but morphine for 57 days... So pretty heavy morphine users. <laughs> when they moved into Rat Park, they switched to water, <laughs> voluntarily going through withdrawal. It, no matter what they tried, Alexander and his team produced nothing that resembled addiction in rats that were housed in Rat Park. So they even tried um, dosing the morphine water with sugar to try and like, make it even more desirable, every five days the sweetness was progressively increased towards levels that should be irresistible. <laughs> Since all rats have a powerful sweet tooth. Whereas rat park rats resisted drinking the narcotic solution, the caged rats drank plenty. Uh, 16 times as much as rat park residents. So, what does this tell us? You can resist pure pleasure if the alternatives are good enough. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool that you can get rats addicted to alcohol. But providing an alternative where they don't want it, I think, is even better. And what's guiding their decision to do the other thing? I guess it feels good, yeah. They're sociable. They want to hang out with their friends. Pleasure is leading them away from the morphine tap <laughs> to the water tap. So, modern society has produced social and cultural isolation in very large numbers of people, even though their cages are invisible. <laughs> So, who's doing this? The very people making us overworked. Capitalists. <laughs> the ruling class. They make pleasure out to be a shameful act. Idle hands are the devil's plaything. Got time to lean? You got time to clean. <laughs> who's heard that before? So, if people were permitted to pursue their pleasures, what do you think might happen? They'd probably spend less time working that job that they believe to be meaningless and spend time doing the behaviours that they know to be pleasurable and rewarding. And I have a top ten list of um, pleasurable activities... Can you make it a five list? <laughs> this is actually my time filler, so... <laughs> if you're about to start talking about poo, I can wrap it up. 
But you've already named sex or making love or doing a cum. <laughs> Drinking alcohol slash partying is number two. Number three, listening to music slash podcasts. <laughs> For example, the sci-fi podcast on... Whatever podcast player you choose. Number four, hobbies. Number five, socialising, talking, chatting. Number six, games. Number seven, gardening. Number eight, meditating slash religious activities. Nine, caregiving slash volunteering. Number ten, looking after children. (laughs) This is what we would spend our time doing if given the opportunity. On our list of the ten most disliked, unpleasurable... We've got being sick. Yeah. (laughs) Housework. No. (laughs) Number five, paid work. Boo. I won't read the whole list. You can guess. They're all unpleasant things. (laughs) Facebook actually rated very highly. In summation... Trust your instincts. Pleasure has evolved with us to allow us to become the evolved... (laughs) (laughs) Again, I'm relying on the fact that pleasure is so good as my main argument. I didn't write a really snappy finishing line. But always let your pleasure be your guide. Trust your pleasure. When the pleasure stops happening when you do an activity, don't do the activity anymore. (laughs) Follow your pleasure. Thank you very much. Self-help guru, Sam Mills. I was a little upset when he asked you what your most pleasurable activity was. No one said debating, but, you know, <laughs> I won't, won't hold that against you. Um, also in science communication news this week, I don't know if anyone saw this, the US Centers for Disease Control, who are the absolute peak body of disease and science knowledge in the US, uh, they did a tweet to their millions of followers that said that cancer is the second leading cause of cancer in the US. <laughs> This left a lot of people on Twitter and in the world wondering what the first main cause of cancer was. Some suggested maybe it was double cancer. Or mega cancer. Or hearing anything out of the mouth of the US Senator Mitch McConnell. <laughs> of course, it is too important to remember that uh, you know correlation does not equal causation. Whilst we know that cancer is highly correlated with cancer, I'd say almost 100% of the times that there's cancer, there's cancer. <laughs> we can't say for sure that the cancer caused the cancer. For all we know, could be the other way around. Or 
or maybe the cancer was just hiding from Mitch McConnell. We don't know. More research is needed. Uh, there's only so many times I can say the word cancer on stage and there's still be a comedy debate. So I'm going to move on to our next speaker. Ryan Coffey is known in, comedy scene, in the comedy scene for being a ramshackle raconteur and rock comedy Lothario. His debut 2011 Melbourne International Comedy Festival show earned him a nomination for the Golden Gibbo. And he has since performed at the Sydney, Adelaide, Edinburgh and Melbourne Fringe Festivals and the Singapore Comedy Festival. Make welcome to the stage, Ryan Coffey! Dan, 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 Dan. <laughs> ah. It's good to know that you've uh, read Johan Hari and um, are keeping up to date with all the latest Dutch tomato juice-based uh, research. It's very good stuff. Um, glad that you definitely haven't lost your ability for shame. bit weird. But you can always do what's left <laughs> We're built for sin in these mortal skins And you should revel in your corpulent flesh <laughs> But let's not pretend that we're trying to ascend from this filth <laughs> Cause pleasure is a false god Oh, pleasure is a false god Oh, pleasure is a false god Herself to wanton pleasure is dead, even 
when she lives. It's Timothy, five six. Oh yeah, that pleasure is a false god. Yeah. Oh, and it even gets better in God's own letter. It sounds like this. Oh, he who loves pleasure will become a poor man. Brutal. <laughs> we all know how much we hate the pause, right? <laughs> That's Proverbs 21:17. <laughs> well, call me a pauper. Well, call me a pauper. It's like Cindy Lauper. Girls, this girl just wants to have some fun. Cause pleasure is a false god. Oh, you know you feel it now. Yeah, pleasure, pleasure is a false god. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know you feel it now. What the fuck do they know, huh? Oil's great and very, very lucrative. But think about it. Of course pleasure is a false god. God can't... No pleasure can be driven from God. Have you ever had the sacraments? It's rubbish. It's not tasty at all. None of my little receptors are going haywire on that one, are they? Oh... So, let's look to antiquity for purveyors of iniquity. There are some names that you probably know. Ah, oh, Roman, the Romans call him Bacchus, Dionychus, or Malacus. Uh, that's a rhyme that only works in Melbourne. Um, ooh, he was... He's a walking scandal in a pair of skimpy sandals. He was really just a god of wine. And what happened in his cult is between consenting adults, but uh, let's just say got a little bit grapey. It's a wine joke. <laughs> oh, pleasure the false god. Oh, yeah. Oh, pleasure is a false god. You know, just because it's good doesn't mean that it's godly. Cleanliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. I fucking hate cleanliness. There's a pile of dishes in my house. They just show to how much I, how much I eschew cleanliness. And godliness as well. Oh, we all just want to be as far from God as we can really get. Why? Why would God be a God? Oh, that. And if that's wrong, I don't want it now. be there. Hedony! You heard of Hedony? Yes! The god of pleasure herself. She just got an ism that land yourself in prison. Well, karma! From the Hindi scriptures, karma! He had a sutra. He had a sutra. And 
It's a non-alcoholic kombucha. It's delicious. Voluptus. Voluptus. Do you know Voluptus? You may know her namesake. And people say she's just a big pair of tits. Oh, Buddha! It's an officer. Don't worry about it. Buddha! Why try for the Nirvana when you can just head to Tijuana, ladies and gentlemen? Now it would be very remiss. Very remiss of me at this point, not to mention pleasure's most potent pundit. Of course, he goes by many names. The Cloven One. El Diablo. Beelzebub. Lucifer. Scott. His life and work is synonymous with the tawdry arts, the carnal canoodlings and out in the most loins. But while he is worshipped, he is not a god. No, he is a fallen angel. Like you, every one of you, beautiful, fallen angel. Yes, and every man. And every woman, and everyone in between. To address, to address you, my whinges, my argument hinges on the fact that pleasure isn't a god. Oh, some gods are debauched, but that doesn't make it deity itself. So to be oversimplistic, we're all atheistic. So that our premise is irreparably flawed. We don't praise pleasure because it's godly. We praise praise it because it's the most human thing around. It is humanity. He manifests. Pleasure is a false god. All gods are false gods. Burn your gods, I tell you. Burn your gods. Oh, yes. Just burn your gods. Just tear all your clothes off and dance around the fire. Pleasure is a false god. Oh, now. Just, you're going to sing it with me now. Come on, they're going to break you up the half of the room like that. You guys over there, you're my false god people, okay? You just hang on a second. And you guys over here, you're my, uh, um, if, if, it's not, if it's one, I don't want that. No, I'll get to you in a second. Shut up. Listen, you're over here. So it's very easy. All you do is pleasure is a false god. Pleasure is a false god. Sing it. Pleasure is a false god. Now, if it's one, I don't want none. Pleasure is a false god. Come on, you guys. If it's one, I don't want none. Yeah, pleasure is a false god. Yeah. If it's one, I don't want none. Everybody, pleasure is a false god. If it's one, I don't want none. Ooh. Thank you very much. first sing-along at Sci-Fight, and the last. All right. I I can't remember what the topic was. Uh, That's fine. How do we feel about a 15-minute transmission? Intermission. (laughs) During the intermission, you can transmit whatever you want. Uh, Let's come back in 15 minutes. What's the time now? Does anyone know? 8.12. 8.12. Thank you. What's 15 minutes after 8.12? I have an arts degree. What? All right. 8.27. Back here. Uh, fill your cups. Empty your bladders. Not in that order. We'll see you soon. How are we? I did get a drink. Thank you for asking. 
Got some water. I was on pure gin before that, so uh, good to hydrate, uh, just like them rats. Uh, the, the negative have been planning a choir performance backstage. There's uh, been suggestions of what God, what if God was one of us? Uh, things are looking like they're going off the rails. We're on to our second negative speaker, Claire Sullivan, uh, who is an absurdist comedian. Uh, Claire has four solo shows under her belt, including Claire Sullivan versus the World, Space Cadet, I Wish I Owned a Hotel for Dogs, and most recently, Toast Rat, which was nominated for a Golden Gibbo at the 2021 MICF. Claire is also a freelance contributor to Vice, Funny Ha Ha, and has appeared often on Channel 31, Women of Letters, Triple J, ABC, SBS. Make some noise for Claire Sullivan! Person who knows how to use a microphone, they say. Ha! <laughs> Fuck you, stand. <laughs> start, start. There we go. I got a thing which does a thing. So, to Ryan Coffee, I say cheat, cheat. We can't all can't be singing dancey men. No, some of us have to say full sentences <laughs> in ways that make sense. <laughs> um, great, good. And uh, Kate, the first speaker. Uh, Kate told us all about how much rats love to get drunk and how terrible that is for the rats. Well, backstage, when I first met them, I asked, what do you do? And they were like, I study rats, addiction in rats. And then I was like, oh. And then someone else was like, what, do you feed them booze? And then you are like, yes. And then someone else was like, what happens? And you're like, it's very sweet. All they do is cuddle. <laughs> That's what you said. Objection. That's what they said. What I actually said is that the males wrestle yeah. and the females cuddle, but How sure. How much fun is wrestling? What do you think they really do anyway? I rest my case. No, I still got... Um, Order. Things. <laughs> All right. So I am here tonight to tell you to throw yourself down at the feet of pleasure. Prostate in awe. Give yourself over to the undulating vibrations that, it, that it, a vibrator supplies. A satisfier pro? Why, thank you, my clit is happy. <laughs> so anyone's used satisfier pro. Um, <laughs> touch a very soft and smooth rock using the arch of your bare foot. Laugh at the puppy out for a walk who, when it wags its tail, its entire body wags with it. Delightful! (laughs) Sit in a really good seat. (laughs) Bet you're all wishing you could do that right now. (laughs) These seats are fucked. Pleasure is a true God because pleasure is all we have 
in this God-forsaken world. I mean, just yesterday, the Prime Minister tackled a little Tasmanian, and I'm a Tasmanian, little Tasmanian boy to the ground in a game of soccer. If that doesn't prove that we have to give up on our politicians who act like gods on the earth that they don't even care for, then I don't know what. Turn to the real stuff in life. Turn to pleasure because there is no pleasure in laughing at the batshit insane stuff that our politicians do anymore. It's not 2013. I don't know. Tony's not eating uh, onions anymore. And to convince you all to turn to the sign of hedonism, I am also going to talk about rats. Rats, 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 That's right. I'm going to use ratatouille. The 2007 Pixar movie starring the voice of American actor Patton Oswald as a French rat named Remy. That's right. The rat's name is Remy. His name's not Ratatouille, it's Remy. Now look, uh, in Ratatouille's defence, it was voted in a poll presented by the BBC as one of the greatest films of the 21st century. Think about that. But don't think about it too hard because we're only 22 years into the 21st century. The incredible 2007 Pixar film Ratatouille is about a little rat who loves food. Now, I know what you're all thinking. Oh, Claire, that sounds like all rats. (sighs) And to that, I laugh heartily. (laughs) Because plot twist. Yeah, yes, I do know that's the incorrect usage of a plot twist. Plot twist, that's the point! Uh, Remy the rat can cook and he loves food for the pleasure of it. Yes, uh, Remy the rat would fuck a piece of cheese if he could. But it would have to be expensive double brie cheese. In fact, I'm sure that Remy the Rat fucks some double breed cheese in the porn version of Ratatouille in the very least. (laughs) Who here has seen the porn version of the... (laughs) (laughs) Who here has seen the porn version of the Grinch? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, because I have seen the porn version of The Grinch. Uh, (laughs) The Grinch, the hairy green monster who steals Christmas. Well, in the porn version of The Grinch, his penis is pink. They paint the entire body of the adult porn actor playing the Grinch green, except for his penis. 
Now a few things. If pleasure was a false god, then the porn version of The Grinch wouldn't exist and I wouldn't have watched it. (laughs) Because the pornographic pornographic film of The Grinch is as close to godliness as we can get as a species. Also, if pleasure truly was a false god, then the actor's penis would not be his natural skin tone. If his penis was painted green, then his co-stars, who he fucks, would all end up probably with some sort of painful genital infection because of the paint. (laughs) I recently-ish in... Yeah, where is this going? You're saying, we're in March. How to spout of gentle ill health. <laughs> I developed bacterial vaginosis, which is when a bad bacteria gets into your vagina and makes it smell bad. So I went on very strong antibiotics, which gave me thrush. Then I got my period. Following my period, I developed a UTI. And then I had to take another course of antibiotics, which, of course, unsurprisingly gave me thrush. Then I was very unlucky enough for my Bartholian gland, which is the gland that makes your vagina wet when you're horny, so you can imagine the location in it is in. The Bartholian gland grew a cyst. Yeah. <laughs> which I mistakenly and so un- so so unfortunately mistook it for an ingrown hair. Uh, So I squeezed it and the cyst became an abscess. I had to take four to five shallow baths with Epsom salts four to five times a day. For four to five five days in a row. And I live in an apartment and I don't have a bath. to use a bucket (laughs) the abscess only cleared up when I caught COVID (laughs) so if pleasure was a false god a false god being the fake or the not real by my definition then I wouldn't have minded being in that much pain and discomfort for seven consecutive weeks. Because if pleasure is a false god, then it's not real, then therefore it's opposite being pain is also not real. But we can see that... Don't poke holes in it, I work in advertising! But we can see that pleasure is a true god by the fact that the penis of the adult film actor playing the Grinch in the porn version of the Grinch, that his penis is pink. I digress. The main character, Ratatouille, who is a rat who loves to cook. Remy sacrifices everything for the chance to cook in a restaurant. He does this by puppeteering a human named Alfredo Linguini. Yes, it is set in France. <laughs> Remy, 
Remy hides under Alfredo's chef's hat and pulls on Alfredo's hair like a puppet. You know? So basically, Alfredo receives a head massage while cooking some amazing, delicious food. A head massage! I mean, if hairdressers didn't give those spine-tingling good head massages, why would anyone go to them for a haircut? I don't think so! <laughs> You've all got scissors at home. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the film ends with Remy cooking the titular dish ratatouille for a famous food critic. Alfredo the human thinks ratatouille is a bad idea because it's a simple dish from the poor countryside of France. Well, Alfredo is a fucking classes piece of shit. <laughs> because, surprise, the dish goes down perfectly because the scent of the ratatouille reminds the food critic of his happy childhood and his mother's cooking. One of the pleasures that food can bring is trips down memory lane. Just like, for me, the smell of a Sarah Lee frozen apple pie cooking in the oven reminds me of my dad's favourite dish. (laughs) My dad's dead, so... (laughs) Bet you feel bad now for not being more sad. Um, <laughs> the wi- a white bread plastic cheese toasty reminds me of that time I went to the Royal Melbourne show with a past boyfriend and we had a wonderful day together. We did break up since. Um, the, t- the smell of tequila... What? Was that? No. I swear I thought I heard his voice for a second. I was like... <laughs> Simon? What? I thought you are in America right now. Uh, <laughs> the smell of tequila reminds me of vomiting in clubs (laughs) well okay so not every consumable thing will have good memories attached but that's okay because for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction I did science at grade 7 so for every vom in a club there is someone getting fingered and having an orgasm in that club I want to go to that club. <laughs> Food, sex, laughing with friends, getting head massages at the hairdressers, the Grinch's pink penis, uh, having a little rat puppeteer you while you're making egg, uh, eggplant and zucchini-based dishes. Happiness, pleasure. This is the good stuff. This is the reason we're alive. Let's revel in this. Because if there was no pleasure, then there'd be no us and there'd be no Grinch pink penis. Think about that. Thank you. We are sorry, Howler, for insulting your chairs. <laughs> Please let us come back next time. Are we ready for the final debater? <laughs> for the affirmative. It's uh, keeping you on your toes. Are we ready for our final speaker for the affirmative? 
Rowan is a curator at the Harry Brooks Allen Museum of Anatomy and Pathology at the University of Melbourne, unless he's also had a job change since he last sent me his bio three years ago. He is a zoologist, a birder, a writer, and a regular on ABC Radio, talking all facts and Amelia with David Astle. I am so happy he's back this sci-fi. Welcome, Rowan Long! Good evening, everyone. My name is Rowan Long, uh, and it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's not a pleasure, actually. Um, to be f- perfectly honest, uh, I'm, I'm quite stressed. Uh, I waited until the last minute to write this, uh, as will be coming abundantly clear. Uh, I'm kind of suffering from social anxiety from years of lockdown. I've got COVID anxiety. I'm really, really stressed. I'm going to catch COVID. Um, I really, really don't want to get sick because I, I, I don't want to get sick and, and pass that on to my, my two beautiful children uh, or my one ugly one. Um, <laughs> he's got enough problems as it is. Uh, I'm very... Very conscious that I'm trapped in a room with so many of you, and now that I'm getting a closer look at you, many of whom look like you've suffered catastrophic lapses in personal hygiene over the last couple of years. Um, I get it. I get it. Okay, like for the last couple of years, I've really only had to worry about maintaining my body odor to a standard that I like to call good enough for Zoom. Um, so that's where I'm coming from tonight. So it is not a pleasure to be here. It's not true. Uh, That's just a little meaningless falsehood that we say to keep the peace. You know, the sort of things we say like, oh, it was great meeting you. Or, oh my God, yes, I would love to hear heaps more about Bitcoin. Pleasure. (laughs) Pleasure has become a meaningless concept in our language. It has become devalued in the semantic economy. As it has for our species generally. Pleasure is a false god. Pleasure is a false god. I, I just can't get it out of my head. I can't get it out of my head. It's just so catchy. Um, now, you don't know this, uh, but behind the scenes of these debates, uh, Atlanta is always, always encouraging, insisting that we roast the other team. That's what sparks joy for Atlanta. Watching, <laughs> watching grown adults belittling each other on a stage at her behest. Um, now, are you going to tell me that's a biochemical system that's doing exactly what it's meant to <laughs> for society or for the individual? Now, for example, the last time I did one of these debates, I was roasted by comedian Vidya Rajan uh, for the shirt that I painstakingly had selected uh, for that evening. Um, she, she didn't even really say anything. She just kind of looked at me, looked at the shirt and said, why? Um, anyway, uh, so that we can maintain a psychological edge over our opponents uh, while simultaneously e- uh, exercising my commitment uh, to innovation in debating... Uh, Debating. I said debate. Innovation in debating. I don't know what you thought I said. Um, I'm going to try out a new concept I invented called the anti-roast. So uh, here we go. <clears throat> this is a new thing. I'm going to just. I'm trying it out. We'll see how we go. <clears throat> all right. Just putting on my roasting persona. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Who we got over here? Who, who, who we got over here? Oh, look at these three, huh? Oh, do I see Sam Mills over there? Oh, it is. It's Sam Mills. You know what they say about Sam? Ah. Oh. They say you're a great researcher. They say you're a wonderful researcher. They say indispensable to your team. They say you're a charming and generous guy. Yeah, well, you know what your mum said last night? That it's all true. (laughs) And that she's never been more proud of everything that you've achieved. Uh, Should we do another one? I think I'm getting a serious edge here. Uh, Who else we got over there? We got Claire Sullivan. Oh, Claire. Yeah, right. You know what? Uh, Claire. 
Uh, what, what, Claire, she's a comedian. She's a performance artist. She's a writer. She's on radio. She's on television. <laughs> Slow down there, buddy. You add any more strings to that bow of yours, you're going to have an orchestral harp. <laughs> I, uh, I knew with quite considerable certainty that that joke wouldn't really work. <laughs> and yet, I felt compelled to get on a stage in front of a room of strangers and do it. And I feel great. There, is, there are endorphins coursing through my body. Once again, are you saying this is, this is a neurochemical process you want to get behind? Get him, Rowan. Thank you, thank you. I, I, feel like I've, I feel like I've proved my point here. Like... <laughs> Yes, I've got an edge. I've got an edge. But, hey, look, maybe you guys are feeling better about yourself. Maybe you're feeling a bit of pleasure. Probably not. No. No, let's be honest. Uh, but did it get some pretty serious laughs? Again, the answer is no. <laughs> and that's pretty much the best we can hope for. Absolutely nothing. But a tiny bit of fleeting, ultimately disappointing pleasure. Barely, just barely distracting us from our existence on this rapidly warming hellscape, increasingly being lauded over by the worst people you went to high school with. <laughs> now, I suppose as a third speaker, I'm supposed to... Uh, you're supposed to do rebuttal and that sort of thing. Um, if my time on the Ballarat High School debating team taught me anything, and it has, let's start with Sam, who I'm about 90% sure is a communist. Um, <laughs> Sam... Sam Mills, uh, his main contention... I know, right? That's, that's, that's what I like about you, Sam, that you're, I'm 90% sure you're a communist. Um, Sam, uh, his main contention is that, checks notes, pleasure is good. Uh, you're not exactly a brain scientist, are you, Sam? Oh, you are? Shit, that's worse. Um... He then referred to a rambling uh, variety of... Uh, some kind of... A, a rodent version of train spotting. Um, <laughs> that is, even the most rudimentary knowledge of neuroscience would tell you that that was thoroughly debunked like 40 years ago. Thank you very much, Kate, for that. He hasn't uh, been in the job very long. No, that's right. <laughs> uh, so that was Sam. Uh, and then there was Claire. She fucked up a mic stand. <laughs> Uh, and then proceeded to tell us a tale wherein a graphic depiction of a pornographic Grinch's penis was the least disturbing part of the story. <laughs> Thank you. Now, look, the human brain evolved in completely different environmental and social conditions to what we are now experiencing in the 21st century. We're hit with a daily assault of sensory and information overload and we've become desensitised to pleasure. Science tells us that the dopamine hit that you or I would receive from mundane, everyday activities like checking your social media notifications or drawing a dick on a Liberal Party candidate's election poster <laughs> would cause a medieval peasant child to drop dead on the spot. <laughs> it's just science. When Hopo, Hopo, when Homo sapiens brains were developing over the last 100,000 years, pleasure was a rare thing, a potent motivator that effectively regulated our goals and emotions. Prehistoric humans would only have experienced real pleasure at 
certain key events in their lives. Finding and developing a bond between a mate. Feeling the first rays of sun after a long and punishing winter. Watching your little Neanderthal baby taking their first uncertain steps. My partner has repeatedly insisted that I shouldn't call our eight-year-old a little Neanderthal baby, but... I don't know, I'll stop calling her that when I stop finding unflushed turds in my toilet. And it's with that imagery of phantom feces that the affirmative team must rest our case. Our first speaker for the affirmative, Kate, explained how we're all stuck in a constant, pointless state of wanting without ever really reaching uh, pleasure. She asked us to consider what sort of loving God would do that. No God that our second speaker, Ryan, has ever heard of. <laughs> Ryan theosophically, melodically, catastrophically toppled the cobbled together gobbledygook of our opponents. Sorry, I thought I was in Hamilton for a second there. That was weird. Um, and I offered up no real cogent argument or rebuttals that really make any sense at all or any sort of coherent thought. But didn't we all have a bit of fun along the way? Yet again, the answer is no. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure and we all know how meaningless that is. to our final uh, speaker for the night, Jess Moyer, rhymes with foyer, uh, was part of the first all-female team to make an Australi the Australasian debating grand final. We have one qualified debater on stage. <laughs> She's also debated at the World Debating Championships and in the middle of the street with parking inspectors. Jess performed her solo show, Gestation, uh, about parenting, politics and storytelling at the 2019 Melbourne International Comedy Festival. She has two little kids who tell her to save her jokes for her comedy shows. <laughs> Jess Meyer! This debate has given me a lot of pleasure <laughs> because I've been anticipating giving this speech. <laughs> Let's begin with Kate. Uh, they set up the definition for the topic tonight and what Kate said was when people talk about a god, they talk about relief from suffering. Have you read the Old Testament? <laughs> Fire, brimstone, damnation, abstinence. Even the good times involve a burning bush, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Kate then told us about dopamine, um, and they said they've been working uh, with, you know, giving rats cocaine. I can relate to that. I'm a lawyer. I worked with coked-up rats every day. <laughs> uh, they said that, you know... Pleasure's a problem because you get these uncontrollable cravings for things that don't give you pleasure and actually cause you harm. Well, at least now we have a cogent explanation for Scott Morrison's re-election. <laughs> <laughs> they told us that pleasure isn't the path to satisfaction, that it's an illusion. 
Have you ever put on tracksuit pants straight from the clothes dryer? (laughs) Have you ever eaten a potato cake after going swimming? (laughs) Or smelled a baby's head? Or scratched a dog's tummy? Or spent a few weeks in Rat Park? (laughs) Have you ever been on the winning team in a comedy debate? (laughs) Well, Ryan Coffey, wasn't that a Dionysian fever dream if ever I had one? (laughs) Look, he's not the first man who spent a while trying to find the right button. Pleasure isn't really worth pursuing anyway. (laughs) That's all I wrote down for Ryan. (laughs) Then Rowan. Rowan praised Claire for being on TV. That's wrong because Claire's been on Channel 31. That's a fish tank. (laughs) Rowan called Sam a communist and criticised him for having a debunked rat study. Sam's rat study was debunked. That's right. The rats didn't have to sleep in those little metal bunks anymore. They had those comfy little beds with little dooners in Rat Park. (laughs) When it rained outside, they just nestled further in. That's pleasure. (laughs) What did we do on our team today? Well, Sam told you a really cute story about tomato juice. Then Sam told you a really cute story about Rat Park, the happiest place on earth. (laughs) Then Sam said some really cute stuff about letting pleasure be your guide. (laughs) Claire. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, my friend Claire Sullivan did what she had to do (laughs) to get Ryan Coffey's song out of your head. (laughs) She replaced that earworm with an image of her... (laughs) sitting in a shallow bucket of Epsom salts, (laughs) watching Grinch porn. (laughs) Pleasure is the only God. Jess Moya! How are we feeling? On the pleasure scale, one to whoop. All right, that might uh, sway the debate to some extent. Let's find out. Um, Okay, look, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to cheer for the audience, uh, to the audience, for for the debaters and for yourselves. You know, it's a two-way cup uh, that you think. (laughs) A two-way cup is just a tube. (laughs) 
I immediately just started thinking about two girls, one cup. And that is Claire Sullivan's fault. Somehow. Uh, I'm going to ask you to vote in a minute. Uh, and uh, I'm going to give you a bit of a summary of what's happened today. Because a lot of things have happened in the last few hours. Uh, just to sort of refresh your memory of, of the debate topics that we've covered. Kate and their team... Uh, have been busy giving all the good cocaine to the rats, which I'm not sure is a fair use of taxpayers' money. (laughs) They then mocked us by saying, you haven't tried the good drugs. Because we gave it to the rats. How do you apply to be a rat? Sam got up and one-upped Kate's credentials, demonstrating how secure scientists are. (laughs) When near a microphone. Uh, Sam spent a lot of time describing Rat Park, the rat utopia, which again seemed like an unfair use of taxpayers' money (laughs) given the current housing crisis. Down with funding for science. (laughs) Ryan laid down some deeply pleasurable beats, which, if anything, weakened his argument. Uh, Then he got biblical on us, which was brave at a science debate. Claire trashed the joint. She's not with us, Howler. And at this point... The debate seemed irretrievably about rats, and I wasn't sure why. (laughs) They took us on a tour of a vaginal apocalypse. (laughs) I still don't quite know why, (laughs) but I wish you a full recovery. (laughs) Rowan attacked the host which, if we've learned anything from viruses, is not in his interest. (laughs) Ending on the conclusion that it's not the journey and it's also not the destination. It's not really anything. I didn't quite catch a lot of what Jess said, but she definitely made a pun about bunks which did not deserve the response that you gave it. In a second, you're going to vote, but very quickly before we do that, I'm going to ask the debaters if they have any upcoming gigs that they would like to spruik. None. None? None. Okay. I have a a podcast sometimes. Uh Uh, It's called Elementary Springfield. It's with my friend and also comedian, Lauren Bock. We watch an episode of The Simpsons and discuss it because I grew up in Tasmania and we did not have it, so I'd never seen it before. Uh, Do not check that fact. I mean, if we're talking about podcasts and you're not sick of rats yet, uh, I do have one called Curiosity Killed the Rat because uh, my curiosity's killed a few rats. Uh, But uh, we're funny and science, so. Anything, Ryan? I will be conducting a small choir of rats. Uh, (laughs) 
in the alley behind Howler <laughs> in about an hour and a half. Uh, see you there. That somehow makes everything make sense again. <laughs> All right, it is over to you. If you thought that the affirmative were the superior team tonight, yeah. should point to them. It's true. Yeah. Pleasure is a false god is a negative. St- Do we have to go into this at this point in the? De- Okay. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Do we all argue the wrong sides? <laughs> it's quite possible. If you thought that this team were the better team tonight, make some noise. Might be the two years in my bedroom, but that was very loud. If you thought that this team were the superior team tonight, make some noise. All right, okay, okay, all right. See, it's not very fair because, you know, if you were going for this team, you just make more noise than this one. So we're going to do it one more time. If you think this team... (laughs) (laughs) Rapidly depreciating... (laughs) (laughs) Just make some noise if you think they won. (laughs) And this team... It is my honourable duty to award the debate to the negative! If for whatever reason you want to revisit what happened tonight, you can find the podcast at climactic.fm. Is is that the right... Okay, cool cool fans and good... Uh, yeah, it's, it's recorded, it's a podcast, you can share it with other people who haven't left their rooms yet. Uh, huge thank you to Howler for having us tonight. <laughs> Massive round for our debaters. If you would like to find out about future SciFights, go to SciFight.com.au and sign up to the mailing list. I won't spam you with my uh, preference votes for tomorrow, I promise. Vote ethically tomorrow. Thank you so much for coming out. We'll see you soon. Good night. The Climactic Collective. This show is produced by Hear Media, a boutique audio agency in Narm, Melbourne. To learn more and get in touch, head to hearmedia.studio. That's H E R E media.studio.